Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, greetings to you and welcome in at Sports Talk. We are coming at you live on this Thursday in our studios here in Champaign. I'm Scott Beatty along with Lauren Tate for the first hour of the program. Second hour, we'll see Evan Condon here with me and we're going to have a grand old time. Thursdays mean Coach Q&A. Nick Quartaro will join us in a little bit, talk some Big Ten football, the Illini in particular, of course, but rest of the conference as well so we'll visit with coach q next hour scott ritchie is in his perspective on the illini and there's a lot happening for illinois athletics it's transpired even today that we can get to as well of course major league baseball playoffs are rolling football tonight bears and to illinois volleyball one last night as well here at home against the rutgers scarlet Knights. so just some of the things that are on tap here, but today, uh, Lauren Tate, you and I uh, got a p- nice tour of uh, the palatial and luxurious well, apartment that you live in. No, I'm sorry, I'm confusing that. That mm-hmm. it is the Illinois uh, uh, basketball's oven performance Practices. complex, yep, yep. complex training yep. facility. They got everything. In it's there. a complex complex. You name it, it's in there. It they, it is pretty slick. It is. It really is. It's. It's much bigger. Of course, their court size has been extended and plenty of room for the men and the women. And, um, I mean, it's stunning just how, how nice it is. They got their own place. When they come out of practice, they got milkshakes waiting for them or, <laughs> or whatever. Each individual has a different uh, uh, drink yep. because it's suited to each person. I mean, it's, that's just one of the tiny things. It was just so much that I wouldn't know where to start. Probably uh, weight couple, training was unbelievable. Yeah, a couple of things. Look, the 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 beauty of the building is pretty clear, and and, mm-hmm. and that's great, and that's attractive. But there's some things in there that they never had before mm-hmm. that they really need at this level. Now, you know, I I, I know you, you could shoot against you know the backside of a barn, right? But there's there's some standards now for this kind of basketball but the thing that is being it's, it's got to be for the recruits as much as anything of course when they walk does. in there they're just going to be dazzled i'll never forget what josh whitman told us when he first got here and un- announced the football facility he said when i played in the nfl they designed everything for your the functional need to get you ready for a game mm-hmm. that's not what all of these buildings are designed for they are designed for that but they're also designed 50 50 yeah, I think I think so. But one aspect that's in oven and in these other facilities as wrestling is going to get one too and we'll talk about that is uh the word that never heard a ton about before, recovery. Mm-hmm. This recovery is recovery space. Yeah, recovery from 
workouts, exercise, cold tubs, hot tubs, everything. You know, yeah. trainers. They've got. It's just uh, how many? By the way, fifty-four. Count them. Fifty-four television sets in that one oven practice facility. Fifty-four. And the the one in Underwood's office is ninety eight inches. inches. I mean, that's like a movie screen. Mm-hmm. Is that why you were asking if you could move in? Because I know you've got multiple screens going when you watch games at home. Uh, I'd like to have one of those ninety eight at home. Yeah, that'd be now, good. I mean, Brad Underwood's office and Shauna Green's office is identical mm-hmm. in a mirror image. She's got a ninety eight inch or two. <laughs> yeah, they're. They're bigger than some apartments. Yes, they are. They're really nice, but uh, but the recovery, I guess, is that's kind of like the cutting edge of where exercise science is now, and what Illinois is going to have in that space is not um, available all in all places. Oh with no, the number of things they'll have collectively. Illinois is ahead of the, you know, they're ahead, of, just as they were 20 years ago when they, when Ubbin was built. Now they're saying, you know, Ubbin had a lot of disadvantages. We didn't even want to show some of it to our, some of our recruits. <laughs> we had, you know, we closed and locked some of those doors so they couldn't see. Yeah. Really? <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm old, okay? But I remember in high school, South Bend Central High School won the state championship one year under a coach named McCall. And they practice in the school in, inside. The, they didn't have a gym. They, they, practice, they put baskets up in, where you walk in the school. Yep. <laughs> I mean, when, when the north end zone was built for Illinois football, that whole facility, and underneath where the students sit, there is a big weight room. And that's where football was a weight room. And that was great compared to what they were using before. Yeah, before and, they were in the West Great Hall. Yeah. And then they had their own weight room. And, 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 you know, 15 years later, it was, this is inadequate. You know, you'd walk by this huge weight room and go, yeah, well, obviously that's inadequate, right? But it was for how football teams have developed and what they do nowadays. They don't, I don't think they win you games and championships, but um, they set you behind if you don't have them, you know. Well, like like I said, it's fifty-fifty. A lot of it's for recruiting. A lot of it's just to show off. And well, it's, and it's in that not, way, I mean, in that way, it does win you games and championships. It's a, it's yeah, attracting you yeah. talent. Same thing is going to be true of wrestling. I mean, that's a big that's a big item. Wrestling was really uh, uh, troubled. They needed a place. Yes. I don't know if you've been to Huff to watch their workouts, but you know what that's mm-hmm. been like. I I've been in that space, and and that that was well below. I think where. A, elite wrestling programs and you got to remember the big 10 is the elite conference when it comes to collegiate wrestling Mm -hmm. and it's it is a loyal tight-knit wrestling community so today plans were unveiled for a new wrestling training facility it is going to be just south of the state farm center yeah in the grassy area it doesn't Mm -hmm. take up any uh parking space for basketball although they will be putting in a some parking for wrestling so there was about 24 hours or less of speculation on what kind of thing would be coming out when yesterday they announced, stay tuned for a press conference uh, for a major project that is coming out. And turns out to be this is a new space for wrestling. Today we had a gathering with Josh Whitman, Mike Poeta, and several donors who made this, uh, this item, this thing possible. One of the questions, of course, is 
before the COVID pandemic, there was going to be a hockey arena that was also going to be a space for volleyball and wrestling and and, and a lot of their needs. Gymnastics. So, gymnastics. So, of yeah. course, that went away. So, instead now, it's a standalone training facility, and it is not a training facility for any of the other sports. Josh Whitman went into why. There's always trying to find the, the intersection between what we see as our needs and the opportunities to bring those needs and, and get them addressed. Uh, what we realized is we continue to study the possibility of a multi-sport facility. Multi-sport facilities cost a lot of money. Uh, and what we had was a, a really ready group of, of passionate wrestling people. Uh, like Mike said, this is going to be built by people who are committed and, and supportive of that sport. Uh, and it felt like we reached a point where we didn't want to continue to wait uh, on the bigger numbers to, in order to do something for more, a, a larger number of sports knowing that we had something for wrestling that, that could be broken off and, and st stood by itself. And so that's ultimately why we, we made the decision we did. And I don't remember if the arena that was going to be downtown was going to have training facilities and that's where all the practices would be or just for games. But uh, nonetheless, even regardless of where they're going to play the games or the meets, they, needed tra they need training facilities upgrades still for volleyball mm -hmm. and still for uh, probably wrestling. I'm sorry, probably gymnastics. Uh, but, you know, one thing at a time here, part of it is you find the people that want to do what you need, and sometimes you find pe people who want to do something come to you. And that's what happened here with the, the wrestling program. Mike Poeta is... is and they, they had contacted those people. They've been yeah. working with those people for years trying to figure out what to do, and it wasn't until the thing broke down downtown that that uh, they uh, they stepped forward. I'm going to give you their names. Mark and Carol Mestemacher, Doug and Allison Wagoner, and Ron and Melody Domenico. One of the points that was made, wrestling is a close, tight-knit community. It's a bit smaller. Mm -hmm. So the, the interest isn't as broad. But when you have somebody who's interested, they're really interested. So they, instead of trying to get a broad base of donors, went to these select families and said, can you help us? Mm -hmm. And together, these families have come up with about $10 million out of the $14 million needed for this project, which is still pending Board of Trustees approval. Mike Poeta is the head coach for Illinois Wrestling. If you haven't been around the sport of wrestling, you might not know how close-knit it is. And... These donors made it possible for wrestling. Like this facility was built by wrestling people. I was part of the 2005 Big Ten championship team and Big Ten titles are extremely hard to come around. Uh, there's four or five teams in the Big Ten every single year that are not only vying for Big Ten titles, they're vying for national titles. This building changes that for us. This building will get us into that conversation sooner than later. $14 million for that. And they are pumped up. And by the way, Mike Poeta, if you've not met him, is a ball of energy. Yes, he is. All those wrestlers are. <laughs> but uh, it'll be three years before it's really completed. Yeah. 25. Yeah. About this time in 2025. Break ground on. And by the way, people. 24. There was rumors. There was talk about maybe when this announcement was going to be made, and nobody knew what it was. That maybe it was going to be the the uh, state. I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, the football stadium. But uh, I think he let out the number that would require about 200 million to do it the way Whitman wants to do it. 
Yeah. Bringing the north end in and, and up, upgrading the east side. So they priced you out, is what you're saying? Well, maybe so. Maybe so. Speaking of footballs, we're going to have uh, our conversation with Coach Q coming up. Brett Bielma met with us for his Thursday media update. And here's the injury status. Kind of case by case, uh, um, uh, Isaiah um, uh, has been really good. He's actually got practice in. I think we're going to be able to uh, see him, I think, for sure. Taz has continued to uh, track in the right direction. Tommy, uh, don't know. That's going to be have to be something. Uh, we don't want to make sure that we make a decision on the front end here that it can affect long term. So Dark Angelo will be back with us and, and feel good. So um, not quite there. Josh McCray, it's a, it's a good, uh, continual day and kind of uh, see where he's at. Same thing as Tommy. Like, you know, on the back end, you don't want to do anything to take away from what we can do down the road. Has Tommy been able to practice at all this week? Oh, always. Yeah, everybody. Even if you can't do anything, we kind of, you know, engage them in practice as best we can. We do walkthroughs. We do things that doesn't involve any type of movement. All right. So, sounds encouraging, at least for Isaiah Williams to be back in the game and maybe Taz Nicholson. And it seems like a question mark to us about That's the status a quick of Tommy from concussion. Maybe. Yeah, that is. But there are is. different degrees of concussions, yeah. too. Maybe this wasn't as serious. That's yeah, possible. Because no doctor these days is going to put himself on the line anymore on concussions. But Tommy DeVito, he says, has been practicing, or to some degree has been practicing. He's been taking snaps with the, with the unit on the field. But he's not ready to say that means he's playing. Now, no, whether that's a, just a decoy to Minnesota or that's actually – a possibility, and I've been told that that is uh, sometimes what happens, that guys are permitted to, if they're not ruled out of practice, that doesn't necessarily mean they will play. No, no, it doesn't necessarily mean they will, but... From if, an injury standpoint, we've got 48 more hours here, for, yeah. and they're working hard on that ankle. You know how hard they're trying to get that ankle ready to go, and he's play, he, knows, he knows the plays. He, he, all he needs is the ability to run. Or just have an offensive line that doesn't ever let him have to run, <laughs> which actually they've done a decent job at. So, Well, I guess uh, Minnesota's one of the worst teams as far as sacks are concerned. No. Yep. What are they, 14th in the Big Ten out of 14? But they're pretty good at stopping the run. Well, that's right, but he's not going to be running. <laughs> no more quarterback draws. That, that plays out. <laughs> no, more, no more option runs by the quarterback. And, you know, Minnesota will, will be aware of that, and they probably will – if he did run, he'd probably be wide open <laughs> in, in misdirection. Back in a moment, Nick Quartaro, Coach Q&A after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who has some observations on the Illini after meeting them this week. Terrence Shannon looks like an NBA wing. We're back on Sports Talk. We talked about the Ubbin tour that we had. There will be a lot of pictures at newsgazette.com, and Joey Wright from our staff uh, went through there on the tour as well, uh, tweeting and showing a lot of things. So if you're curious about some of the inner looks of the Ubbin facility, head to newsgazette.com. Coach Nick Quartaro is a former Big Ten coach, at a few stops, as well as in Kansas State, and now as a regular contributor both in the News Gazette and here on our airwaves. And he joins us once again for Coach Q&A. Nick, great to have you once again. 
Yes, great to be with you guys. A big, big weekend ahead. I'm excited about it. I hope you guys are too. I am. I just want to briefly look back because you got to see Illinois and your alma mater, Iowa, play in person. And I have likened this last Saturday's game, which was a 9-6 victory for Illinois, to a baseball term pitcher's duel <laughs> um, where where maybe the casual observer goes, well, that's just kind of a low-scoring, not very exciting football game. But if you dove deeper, to me, it was a really interesting football game. Yeah, I agree. I, I was just telling uh, producer Ed there when we were chatting offline that anytime you can hold uh, the entire stadium's attention for four quarters these days, I think that's a pretty good deal. And it wasn't like it was a sloppy game. Sure, there were some wacky plays and some things that caused some consternation uh, both ways. But overall, I thought, yeah, it was an old-school 1965 Big Ten game. Is there anything that stood out to you? Because I know you've been watching the Illini and a lot of the other Big Ten games. But is there anything that jumped out to you getting to see them in person versus on a television screen? Well, I think when you watch them in person, you can see uh, things like actual real-time quickness and speed and explosiveness because on TV you're subject to whichever camera angle they want to provide, whereas when you're watching in person and where I was sitting, it was essentially like when I would be in a coaching booth watching what was happening. And so to see the D-line come off the ball and knock some of those big Iowa linemen back uh, the final turnover uh, that Petrus uh, threw the interception, but with Coleman, you know, getting a hand on the ball and wrapping the other arm around his uh, waist, you know, seeing things like that full speed are so much different than when you see him on television. Nick Cortaro is with us here for Coach Q&A on this Thursday edition of Sports Talk. Nick, uh, I want to talk to you about the offensive line of Minnesota. They picked up a guy from uh, Notre Dame. They picked up a, a, a guard or a tackle from uh, from Michigan. They lost four really good linemen. How have they replaced those four great linemen that they lost last year? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Lauren. Going into the season, that was the maybe double question mark, not just one question mark, but a couple question marks about how they were going to handle that. They felt comfortable that, hey, we've got some guys, but they're new. And we all know, most uh, football fans are well aware that they say the most coordinated and well-oiled group on the offensive unit has to be the O-line, working together as a five-man unit. And then when you add in the tight end or tight ends to that blocking up front, you've got six or seven guys that have to function as one. And I think Minnesota's done a very good job, uh, Kirk Shiroka, the offensive coordinator, you know, keeps the schemes relatively simple. And Minnesota, throughout the many years that you've seen them and I've seen them, are just road graders. They just come off the ball, they try and swallow you up, and then, of course, they've got a, a tremendous tailback uh, with Ibrahim behind them. But to answer your question, I think they've done a really, really good job of making that a cohesive unit. And here they are coming off of a bye week, so if any of them were dinged up, nicked up a little bit, you can bet they're going to be 100% for the Illini on Saturday. I thought the emotion for the Iowa game was just tremendous. Haven't, haven't seen it for several years quite like that. Can, I know the fans can't reach that peak every week. Can the team? 
Oh, I think so. And, and yet the the team does feed off of the crowd. That's why they call it a home field advantage, right? I mean, this really has to be, despite the fact it's an early kickoff, 11 o'clock Central, um, I was actually chit-chatting, I won't say with you, with uh, texting with one of the coaches today, and I'm saying, you know, the fact that it's an early kickoff, hopefully the crowd gets in there and starts to tailgate early, and they're ready to go for 11.07, 11.08, whatever it is. But also the team, you know, they're used to practicing in the morning nowadays. Mm-hmm. So for them to get up and roll out of bed, they'll probably get a wake-up call at, uh, you know, 6.30 or so, pregame meal at 7, uh, 7.30. So, you know, they, they're they used to getting up and, and having to put forth great concentration and great effort. So I think in that respect, the Illini have a lot of things working in their favor. Would you assume that if you're the defensive coordinator at Minnesota that you're going to really – Assume that uh, maybe uh, DeVito won't be, as, if he does play, wouldn't be as uh, mobile as he had been in the past. And, they, and you would think Illinois would not want to run him a lot. And therefore, would you try to pile at least eight men in the box to stop Chase Brown? Yeah, I think that's a, a wise thought. Um, certainly, if, uh, if Tommy DeVito can go, it's like uh, NFL guys. Uh, he's going to have to become one of those guys in the sense that Protect yourself first, always get down, never take a clean hit, and if you have to run, either get out of bounds or slide. He really has to be smart about that if, in fact, he's nimble and able enough to uh, to run. Uh, if Art is in there um, and Tommy can't go, really it's the same story. We know Art's not a runner. I mean, mm-hmm. he can kind of help himself a little bit. But uh, we all know that you don't want your number two getting knocked down and then having to play a number three that hasn't played any football. So um, I think they're in a, a kind of a tenuous situation if DeVito can't go for several reasons that I just mentioned. Nick, I know we've talked about this before, but it, it's been a year, and your your last stop was at Rutgers. And indeed, if Art Sidkowski is given the nod to start, you – you know Art. You you saw him at Rutgers. Um, what stands out to you about him and, and maybe his progression since he's gotten to Illinois? Well, I th- it's a little hard for me to evaluate his progression since Illinois. I saw him a little bit sure. you know, on the field last year. Um, and I don't think the other night against Iowa is a real fair uh, evaluation because as I uh, kind of wrote in the Gazette column I did this week, you know, when you're next man up, and yet you haven't been getting the practice reps like a starter. In fact, the backup quarterback gets anywhere from 20 to 25% of the practice reps, which isn't a lot. So when you think of going out there, and as they say, when live bullets are flying, it's a whole different deal. The speed of the game is different. Now, what I like about Art, his maturity is at the highest level. His understanding of uh, what's now Coach Lenny's offense Art's been in like four or five offenses. He had two or three coordinators at Rutgers. He's now on the second coordinator with the Illini. But what I'm saying there, he has tremendous football acumen. He really understands the game. So if he can just slow the game down, I think his nerves will be a little more uh, under control. Not that they were out of control, but they'll be more under control this Saturday if, he, if in fact, he's gotten all the work all week or a majority of the work all week and he's truly oiled up and functioning, knowing 
that, hey, I'm the guy this week, and I'm going out to beat the Gophers. Okay, a couple of other games here from the Big Ten, Nick, um, to, to focus on. First, Penn State at Michigan. That's the game of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Two uh, top ten uh, teams, two nationally ranked teams in the top ten. It's at Michigan. Um, I think this is kind of important for Penn State in the respect that they're coming off a bye week, and that's always a big deal for a coaching staff to kind of take their breath uh, recalibrate, if you will, uh, and evaluate things in-house to see what they can do as they move ahead. And then, of course, with Michigan being the first game out of the shoot coming off the bye, obviously that got a lot of attention. But I like the fact that Penn State had two good road wins this season. We all saw the Purdue game to kick off the season. And then they went down to Auburn, which Auburn's not a super football team, but they do play in the SEC. They have good players. It wasn't a sold-out stadium, and yet Penn State went in and, and really handled that situation well. So I think that, in a sense, gives them some confidence in going to uh, Ann Arbor and play well. Also, the fact that I put stock in uh, Sean Clifford. Not that he's a world beater, but the guy is in his sixth year. He's played a lot of football. And when you have a veteran quarterback like that, have Tommy DeVito's uh, similar in that regard. You know, a veteran quarterback, your offense is better able to get into sync and get rolling and create some momentum. So I think Penn State has a chance. Sure, Michigan's favored. They should be. I like the fact that Manny Diaz, the D coordinator, is going to throw some things at J.J. McCarthy, Michigan's quarterback, that he will not have seen so far this year. He's going to give them different looks. He'll, what we say, bluff. He'll move in and out of things, show him one thing, do another. And I think they have the ability to put some pressure on him. Um, you guys probably see the numbers like me. McCarthy's uh, like either the top guy or one of the highest percentage throwing quarterbacks in the country. But keep in mind, I'm not discounting that. He's not reading down the field. He's not going through his progression. One, two, three, dump it to the back. Most of them are quick throws out into the flat, little swing passes, screens, or they've got a really nice tight end, uh, Schoonover, who's a good player, and they find him quite often. But I think Manny Diaz's defensive scheme might upset McCarthy enough that it gives Penn State a chance to create some plays on defense. I I think Michigan's clearly the seven-point favorite like they should be. They'll pressure Clifford. They got seven sacks last week at Indiana. But I think Penn State's O-line is better than Indiana's O-line. But I think it makes for a heck of a game. Two Big Ten teams in the top ten in the country. The other games this Saturday, Maryland at Indiana, Wisconsin at Michigan State, and Illinois' next two opponents, Nebraska at Purdue. Which of those stands out to you? Well, the Purdue-Nebraska game, I think, really has a chance to be a good one. Uh, Purdue's very interesting. And uh, with you guys being, uh, you know, state Side neighbors with the, the state of Indiana. Purdue is, is at times their own worst enemy. You know, they're four and two, uh, but they're coming off two good road wins as underdogs, uh, and they come home to Ross Aid this week. So that's good fortune at Maryland. Uh, you probably saw it. Maryland actually tied this game up at 31 31 on a two point play, but uh, there was a penalty that erased that and the Boilers were able to hang on and win 31-29, or that was going to overtime. 
Um, I think Aiden O'Connell, the last couple games, is back in the swing of things. Uh, as an offensive coach, I like the fact that he's now finding some other receivers besides Charlie Jones, who's the terrific kid who transferred from Iowa. But uh, having other options besides Charlie Jones will give the Husker pass defense some trouble, um, along with throwing to the tight end Payne Durham. I think he's a really good player. Um, I've, I've looked closely at Purdue this week. Uh, the running back group has taken a hit with injury, so they're kind of running back by committee. Serviceable guys, but but certainly not outstanding. But what's impressive about Purdue, and we talked about this earlier in the year, they are playing good defense. They're playing good defense, and when you have an explosive offense and a defense that did what they did against Minnesota, and to be honest, played pretty well keeping the Maryland offense in check. That's no easy task. They should be able to create problems against Nebraska, I believe. A couple thoughts real quick on Nebraska. You know, you have to tip your hat. They've won two games, uh, the last two games, with Mickey Joseph as their interim head coach. And really, Mark Whipple's always had that offense moving the ball. But a coaching friend of mine who actually worked with Aaron Henry and Andy Boo during Wisconsin times, his name is Bill Bush. Bill is the uh, new interim D coordinator, and they've played much better the last couple weeks. From what I gather, they're trying to simplify things. There were a lot of mental errors before, so physical errors, mental errors means big plays for the other team's offense, and I know Nebraska's done a better job with that. So uh, overall, I think playing at home, Purdue's got a a big advantage. Nebraska's going to come in with some energy and all that stuff, But I don't know, and I say I really don't know, if Nebraska's defense, especially the back end, the secondary, and the linebackers, will be able to do enough to slow Purdue's pass game down. Coach, Q&A segment here with Nick Hortaro. Let's throw a tough one at you, Coach Q. Are you ready? Sure. If you're the athletic director at the University of Iowa, do you step in in a situation where they're the worst offensive team in the country and Brian Ferentz is the son of the coach? Yeah, I I don't know if I step in in the sense that, hey, Kirk, you have to do this and make it mandatory. You can bet they've had conversations. You can bet there's been uh, closed-door conversations as to what's going on. But I uh, heard another national uh, football media uh, guy today who said, you know, Kirk has been doing what he's been doing as a head coach for what, 20 years now, something like that, and nothing really changes. I mean, they do what they do because that's what they do. Whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, that's the way it is. And uh, with him sitting there as the dean of all Big Ten coaches and maybe one of the most experienced in the country, I just think, you know, he's going to have the final say on it. Now, how Kirk handles it, does he – step in a little bit, hey, Brian, we need to look at this. And I think he does. And then come Saturday, you see kind of the same thing over and over. So, you know, the guy who I feel badly for, because he takes a a beating from uh, fans and social media and all that, is Spencer Petras. He's Mm -hmm. not a great quarterback. But you know what? At the game the other night when we were all sitting there, you guys were up in the booth and I was down below you a little bit there. He made good throws, and in the two-minute drill at the end of the half and at the end of the game, 
he threw the ball like he knew what he was doing. He got decent protection. The guys made some catches. And then, you know, crazy things, such as that last uh, uh, tipped ball, Coleman uh, pressure that was intercepted by Bailey there. Uh, you know, things like that happen. And I've always said a quarterback can only do what he can do. Sure, if he misses a wide-open guy, you're going to put pressure on him and wonder why. But really, he needs the other 10 people, the O-line to protect, receivers to get open, and obviously running backs to do what they do in protection or routes. But um, I just feel bad because, you know, I, of course, I'm an alum, and I follow them closely, and I want the, I don't want any kid to have a bad experience. But it seems like he's been dread, dragged through the mud a lot here in the last couple of years, and I just don't know that it's all about him. Nick Cortaro, Coach Q and A, we do this most every Thursday, and uh, at least for me, I get a little football smarter having talking <laughs> when I talk to you. So I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys. I get radio smarter when I speak <laughs> with you. <laughs> I assure you, the the level up is bigger over on this side. Thank you, sir. We'll talk. Very good. All right, we'll talk again. Yeah. Thanks again. See you guys. All Bye-bye. right, that's Nick Cortaro. Yeah, I mean, look, this day and age, football players are part of this whole NIL, and and you know they're they're amateurs, but yet kind of not. But at the same time, it just doesn't feel good when certain individual players are getting kind of beat up out there. Even if I mean, there's it comes with the position when you're a quarterback. But yeah, it I agree. does. It really does. It comes with the position. Yeah. And and the most when a team's not playing well, the most popular guy is the backup quarterback. You bet. And everybody thinks until he's we, in the game. Yep. Everybody thinks that's <laughs> your sports talk. You can text us two one seven three five one five three five seven. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. Hi, this is Lacey Braymeyer from Hoops and Volleyball. It's an early start for Illini football this week as they battle Minnesota at Memorial Stadium. Illini game day starts at 9, right here on News Talk 1493.9 FM. Baseball, Houston's gone up on Seattle 3-2. to two. Guess who has homered again for the Astros? Alvarez, what a... What a bomb, huh? Jordan Alvarez. It's uh, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, Takes him from a 2-1 deficit to a 3-2 lead. I just, over the years, you just do not want to face Houston in the playoffs. I, I picked I pick him to win the whole thing. I really did. I just yeah. thought, I think they got the best team. You know, I, I guess I didn't nail you down here. How do you feel about Illinois overall in this game against Minnesota? I, mean, I like uh, Illinois' chances, but I just wish I knew... Just how um, healthy uh, DeVito is. I, I just got a call from a guy before I walked in and said, you know he's going to play, don't you? I says, okay. I mean, have you cleared that with Bielema? <laughs> you know, people say what they say, but I know he's taking snaps. I know he's on the field. I I just don't know. I, I think I, I I saw somebody say, you know, if uh, if he plays, I'd pick Illinois. If he doesn't play, I'd pick Minnesota. And I guess that's kind of the way you feel of it. It, it must make that much difference because the spread initially was based on the likelihood he wouldn't play. If you see that spread change all of a sudden, that means that Vegas found out more than we know. Art Sidkowski, I, I, I didn't love his accuracy, but he was thrown into a game that he wasn't supposed to be playing in. 
but I, I thought that that was the issue last year, too. He's just not as accurate, and it's a little bit longer to get the ball out of his arm. But I know, including Matt Stevens, who we talked to this week, there are people that feel like Illinois is more incapable of winning this game if Art Sikowski is the starter. And I don't feel Illinois like... Illinois is capable of winning, uh, winning a game at this level because their defense is so solid. Yes. If your defense is good, you're in the game. And then, look, this in this game, Illinois had the turnovers and the mistakes, right? What if Minnesota has those mistakes this week? Then Illinois wins. Yes. Illinois wins that game on Saturday much more, uh, much easier if they don't commit the mistakes they did. Yeah, if that's right. <laughs> but, but, of course, you, no matter who's the quarterback, game. and the other thing is, no matter who's quarterback, you got somebody right there off one of your hips that you can just give the ball to who does a pretty good job. You bet. But that's not everything, but that is huge. Minnesota's going to make a real all-out effort to stop Chase Brown, and I thought Iowa would, and I thought Wisconsin would as I look back, but he just keeps put, uh, reeling off 150 yards every game. Well, as Brett Bielma said, I used to fall out of bed and do this. <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to find out the winner of the teacher getting a new HVAC and Furnace System from CU Trade Services. They're contacting finalists. They're going to announce the winner tomorrow. And they have been taking, they got over 35 nominations for who folks thought was a deserving teacher for a whole new system. It'll be a train system. They'll get a free year of maintenance and the warranty and the installation all at no cost. It's a way for them to say thank you to area educators and honor them on World Teacher Day this past Tuesday. So, CU Trade Services, just one of the ways they're giving back to the community. You can see how good they are by giving them a call. They're coming to give our furnace a tune-up next week. We're on the maintenance plan. I recommend you get on one, too. That'll where you spend a little bit up front so you don't have to spend a lot later. It's a better way of doing things, and you get all that preventative and tune-up work done on a regular basis, and you don't have to remember to do it because they'll contact you and say, hey, it's time for this maintenance, and then they'll schedule with you and get on out and do it. We'll come back with our final segment for this hour. Next hour, Evan Kahn's in. We'll also talk with Scott Ritchie. And, oh, next hour, we're going to play two out of three. If you're our contestant and a winner in two out of three, I got tailgate passes for you Saturday morning. I also got gift certificates to the Esquire. So that's coming up next hour as well. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS. On the latest episode of Inside Illini Football, we discuss the Illini's ranking, its win against Iowa, and how the game against Minnesota hinges on Tommy DeVito's health. If Art Sikowski is the starter on Saturday morning... His offensive coordinator, Barry Lunny Jr., says he's quite ready to step into it. He's a different breed. He just really is. He's very unique in who he is, and you guys know him when you deal with him. I mean, he's um, he's incredibly mature uh, and very polished and just uh, – he gets it, you know. I mean, he doesn't want to be the backup quarterback. I mean, he, he, he doesn't want to be the backup quarterback, but he, he never lets that um, – the fact that he is the two, he never lets that affect his attitude, his intentionality, his engagement, his questions, his preparation. I mean, he's a pro. I mean, for being a college young man, and, and he's been around. He's had a lot of experience. I think that's part of it. He's seen it. I tell the young guys in the room all the time, the quarterbacks, I was like, hey, you guys, you young guys, like, and then we have four of them, I believe, yeah, it, that it's like you guys don't – you need to have an appreciation for what the way these older guys prepare 
for Art, Tommy, and Ryan. I was like, because it's not like that everywhere. It's not. It's not like the two and the three to be so supportive and engaged towards the starter and engaged towards me. I don't know how common that is across college football. I'm sure it happens some places, but you know, it's not always like that. And these guys, those guys are special in that regard. And so um, Art just has that in him. Uh, it's innately in him, and I'm thankful that it is. That was a point underscored by Brett Bielma today about the preparation of Art Sidkowski. Well, he said all along he prepares well. He just isn't quite as quick as DeVito. No, no. So we'll see what happens. It'll be a fun one. All right, Lauren, I'm going to give you tomorrow off if you do a show on Saturday morning. Eight o'clock, by the way. That's right. And we're going to do it from the um, press box, I guess. All right. I'll see you a few minutes later. All right. I will look forward to it. Evan Kahn is coming in for the next hour. Scott Ritchie's going to visit. We're going to play two out of three. Your chance to win. That's all straight ahead. News Talk 1493.9 FM WDWS. Champagne Urbana, a Champagne Multimedia Group station. Here comes a news update.